0: Hey friends, welcome to Revival Fires Podcast. This message by Trevor Baker is the first part of our brand new teaching series on Nehemiah called The Field of Dreams. We want to invite you to come and join us at Revival Fires Church or to gather at one of our events or conferences. Visit our website for full details. We look forward to welcoming you right here in Dudley. You know, it is so good to see that the church is gathering together. Come on, let's give the Lord a big round of applause. You can give him a big shout of praise if you want to this morning, you know. And, uh, you know, this whole series, I'm going to take off my jacket. Somebody said to me this morning, I look like somebody who's going on a cruise. Well, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to go and jump on God's battleship of new beginnings. Amen. Come on. And, um, You know, because I believe that God wants to do some great things in these days. And I've just been looking at it, you know, this isn't the first time that a pandemic has hit the world. This isn't the first time that a pandemic has hit this nation. We're talking of a few things. What about if you lived in the time of Wycliffe in the 13th century? You'd have seen not only what we've seen today, you'd have seen a third of the population of Europe. Wiped out by the um, black plague. You'd have seen half of the population of our nation wiped out. But God had a man, God has a woman in the right place at the right time. Because God has a plan and a purpose. Give Him praise this morning. We're not going down, we are rising up in these days. We need to start moving with a new dimension of Faith. Amen. Come on. I believe that this morning, God has a great word for you. I've titled this new series, The Field of Dreams. I was um, watching a friend of mine in India. I've got right into my message now. I was watching a friend of mine in India, Daniel, and he was talking about the book of Nehemiah as he said it. And he started to talk about his vision for his city. The Lord said to me so clearly, do you have a dream for your field? See, do you have a dream for your field? And I just started to read the book of Nehemiah all over again. I want to encourage you, those of you here, those of you watching, watch the book, uh, watch the book, watch the film Field of Dreams and read the book of Nehemiah. Two things for you to do this week. Watch the film Field of Dreams and read the book of Nehemiah. Rising from the ashes. God wants something to rise up even in the midst of all the chaos that is going on. Listen, this world is convulsing. Have you realised that? But let me tell you. When everything is being shaken, the kingdom of God is unshakable. Come on. Listen, when everything is changing, the person of Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, where are you building today? What are you building on today? I want you to build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, looking at this story today, we'll get into reading a few verses in a moment from Jeremiah, from Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Hezekiah, Obadiah. We'll get one of the Ayahs, you know, somewhere here in the book, Nehemiah, I've got it now. And... Uh, See, I want you to look at the field. What is your field of dream? Let me tell you, one of the quotes that come from the movie, and I'm not just taking bits from movies. It said, this is what it said. It would kill some men and women to get this close to their dreams and miss it. How close are you to seeing your dreams? See, what is the dream that you've got in your heart? I'm not looking. I'm not asking you to look at the television to read the or watch the news programs, look at how the virus is doing, look how it's going up, look what the R rating is, look how many infections there, look how many people have died. I'm not asking you to look at that. I'm not asking you to look at how the world is convulsing in this city and that city, as this group rises up against this group. I'm not asking you to look in those places. I'm asking you to look at your dreams. I'm asking you to look at where God has placed you. I'm asking you to take hold of the things that God has entrusted to you. Because here it says, when it kills some men and women to get this close to their dreams and miss it. Listen to else what it says. He may have had a dream, but he didn't do anything about it. Listen, you can have a dream. You can have a dream this morning, you can do nothing about it. You know what happens? That dream lies unfulfilled. And we need to start realising afresh that in these days, dreams are being birthed in our lives. Dreams are coming forth in these days. This isn't the time of nightmares, disasters, pandemics, this is the day of dreams. We need to start dreaming again. We need to start seeing things rising up from the ashes. Hallelujah. And so here it says, one of the first things that he says in that movie, and that is this, until I heard the voice, I had never done a crazy thing in my life. Listen, listen, when did you last hear the voice of God? That caused you to do some crazy things. Let me tell you, faith is crazy. Tell the person next to you, he really is talking to you. You know, faith is crazy. When did you last hear the voice of God? Because that voice will cause you to do crazy things. We'll come to look at some of those things. What is a field and what is your field? Let me tell you, a field is an aspiration that you have in your heart. Do you have aspirations for your life this morning? Do you have an aspiration of what God can accomplish through your life? Do you have an aspiration of the how things could change just because you show up and you do something And you cause something to happen. Not somebody else, you. Whether it's one of the children here this morning, they may hear something this morning that could change the whole of their lives. You may be the oldest person here. You may hear something this morning that can radically change the whole course of the direction of your life. What is a field and what is your field? An aspiration. But an aspiration needs to be achieved. And listen, the gap between aspiration and achievement is development. How are you developing? Listen, I've said this so many times, but we are in critical days. And in these critical days, it's the time for the church, for the people of God to do, to do incredible things. To look at the critical times that we're in and say, God, I am a history maker You know, God, I can change the situation that I am in. Why? Because you have put me in a field and in that field is where my dreams come true. Not somebody else's dreams, your dreams. And we'll look at this whole series as we go through, but this morning it's about letting something rise in you. Letting the ashes of your dreams rise again. And so here... The unimaginable and most desirable. What is that? That's our dreams. Have you got an unimaginable vision of what God could do? And yet when you think about it, it becomes so desirable that you would give your life to seeing it fulfilled. Oh, church this morning, watching online this morning, God wants you to think big. God wants you to dream big get rid of the puny thinking, get rid of small thinking, get hold of a big vision because big visions require faith and faith pleases God. I'm telling you this morning, this is the way that you will be pleasing to God. It says it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible. You need a vision that's bigger than what you're able to accomplish You need a vision that's impossible because it requires faith. And when you have faith, it makes you pleasing to God. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise this morning. Oh, yes. Listen to what it says here. I told you we were going to read something from Nehemiah. We won't read much this morning. I've got so much burning inside me. It said, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. The words. Listen, these words have reverberated for nearly 2,000 years or 1,500 years to be more precise. But these words still carry weight for us today. I wonder what you think of your words. What will your words do? What will the things that you've accomplished in your life that somebody may pass on to another generation and that generation do something because they heard your words? Listen, we are a multi-generational Church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't end with me. It doesn't end with you. We do things in this day that another generation may take them beyond into another dimension. It's great that I've got my grand, my children, my grandchildren, just like some of you may have. Listen, we are a multi generational people. God doesn't mean for something to fizzle out with one generation, He means it to go on from generation to generation to generation. Do you want to know how many generations the righteous get blessed for? A thousand generations. Come on, you are putting something in place today that God may so use to a thousand generations if the Lord tarries on coming. Listen, we need to start seeing differently. We need to have a vision this morning that blasts out, that removes everything that would stop us seeing the unadulterated vision and Word that God has for your life and my life, amen? Amen. Come on this morning, I want to stir your faith. I want you to move into a new place this morning. I don't want you to stay in the place that you're in. I don't want you to be looking at viruses, looking at statistics. Listen, it will kill you. But I want you to look at the Word of God this morning. As you look at the Word of God with me, it will give you life. Why? Because God is a life giver. His word is life to us. His word can remove all doubts or fears. We need to become people of faith, not people who do live our lives by fear. You know, I I just get so angry. I walk down the street as you're walking down the street, somebody is walking to you, and what they do is they do this. They move out of the way. I'm thinking, who taught us to live like that? A virus did. And people's response to it. We need to start beginning to move. I'm not talking about being unrealistic. I'm not talking about being stupid with our lives. But listen, we need to start listening to what God has got to say. Listen, I believe as we were singing that song earlier, and it says that um, the darkness, what was that line, Ryan, where it talks about um, the darkness Watch the darkness flee. We need to start watching the virus flee. Listen, you come here this morning and listen, we need to start declaring that not because we're brash, not because we're obnoxious, but because we want to be men of, women of faith. When they came out of Egypt, There wasn't one who faltered and one weak person amongst them. Listen, I am believing that when you walk out of here this morning, there won't be one faltering or one weak person. There will be nothing that takes place in here that will affect you in your future, apart from God affecting you for good. Amen. We need to start rising in faith this morning, church. Oh, yes, God. And it says here, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakkali, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while he was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the men. And I questioned him about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Let's leave it at that point this morning. I questioned him about the things that were going on. And listen, we will look at this passage, we will look at this book, because I believe there is so much revelation for us to move forward, to see God do things like He's never done before. And so here, a geographical location has a spiritual assignment. Listen, we may be here in the natural geographical, but there is a spiritual assignment for every one of us here today. You know, you may be in a place, I look at my, he had dual vocation. That is, he was one thing here, but he had another calling over here. You may be in dual vac- vocations this morning. Listen, don't just think spiritual vocation. Don't just think, well, I want to be a preacher. We were in Kidderminster the other day and there's a little there's a statue there of Richard Baxter. And he's got his Bible. He's got his one hand on his Bible. And he's pointing his finger in the air. And I can remember my little nephew when he was just a uh, knee high to a grasshopper. That's not very big. It's about your size. And, uh, and he, he was, I was preaching at their anniversary, their church anniversary. And he got up to say his little um, poem. It was, I want to be a preacher. And in the pulpit stand, point my, the way to heaven with the Bible in my hand. You know, and and listen, we start to see things in the spiritual. We start to see things, well, it's only in if I'm a leading in church. Listen, I believe there's dual vocations for us today. We need to see that God has a plan and a purpose for me, my place of work in Susa, in the Citadel, offering wine to the king. And it wasn't just wine. He was one of the advisors to the king. And yet also he had a work to do in Jerusalem Because there was something else that he needed to do that that was contained in the dream that God was putting in his heart. Listen, we need to get out of small thinking. We need to start looking at your place of work is one area where you have an incredible vocation to live out, but also what has God also got for you in terms of what he wants to do? Because we need to embrace both. And so here it says your field is a geographical location and a spiritual assignment. Nehemiah was in Susa. Listen, that was 2,700 kilometers. I looked at it at Google this morning. And Google told me that it would take you 23 days to walk there. So he had a 23-day walk. He may have used a donkey or a camel, but it was still a long way. And and yet he had this dual vocation. See, there's things that you're doing in one place that God also has a plan and a purpose for you to do in another place. He had a place, he had an assignment in Susa, but he had an assignment that was in Jerusalem. The place where you are now isn't the place and the only place where your assignment lies. Let me tell you that. I want you to get hold of that. The place where you are now, the Lord would say, the place where you are now is not the only place of your assignment. You need to start dreaming bigger than the place that you are and see where God wants to take you. See, Nehemiah, listen, what does it say about this man? Nehemiah, listen to what it says. His name means the Lord who comforts. That was his name. You start reading when he inquired and they heard, it says the people are in great trouble and in disgrace. And yet God has a man every day of his life. He has been called, as they speak out his name, he's been called the God who comforts, the God of all comfort. What about your name? Do you know what your name means? Do you know what Trevor means? One who builds an encampment. One who builds an encampment. See, we need to start. So every time my, men, my name has been mentioned, it's about one who builds an encampment. What's an encampment? It's a place where people come and dwell. Don't you think that your name has a plan and a purpose in the economy of God? Find out what your name is. And if you can't find it out, make it up. But do something. People say, where did you get that from? Just say to them, I got it from the Lord. And if he didn't tell you, I think he'll wink at you. We need to get out of such small thinking. Start realizing afresh that we are the people of God. Did you hear that? We are the people of God. Let me say it again. We are the people of God. And so here his name means the one who comforts. I wrote into that those who mourn, those who are in trouble and those, it says here, who are disgraced. I wonder what that would look like to you. Time is going on. Hakaliah, he was the son of Hakaliah. Do you know what that means? The Lord... Of enlightenment. His father was called the Lord will enlighten those who are in darkness. Because you don't need a light if there's no darkness. Light is only relevant when there's darkness. And so here his father, he was the one who comforts, but he needed to have his world enlightened in order for that comfort to be released. And then he had a brother whose name was Hanani. Do you know what Hanani means? The gracious one. I mean, just think of this. The Lord who lightens darkness. The one who comforts by his gracious hand upon our lives. Just from this. Listen, God put you in the place that you are in. Why? Because he wants you to bring his comfort into those who are in trouble. It says God comforts those who are uncomfortable. No, it didn't say that. Somebody quoted this. I think it was Bob Mumford. God disturbs the comfortable. If you're comfortable here this morning, I hope this message disturbs you. If you're watching online... And you're comfortable, I hope this message really disturbs you. I pray that God would stick pins on the seat through the words that I speak, that you causes you to jump up, move from the place that you're in, because you've been shaken out of that place of comfort. And listen, and if you're in a place this morning where you're disturbed, I pray that these words would bring you great comfort. I pray the God of comfort would comfort you this morning. And so, hear that two way thing. But you see what happens in this book as you read in this book, and we'll just look at some of the things surrounding it. Something is about to converge. Something is about to co- converge in your life and in my life, even today. The God of convergence is about to show up. And listen, it may not be, it may not be from a burning bush, but it came because he made an inquiry. He asked a question to someone who visited him that day. And that was the point of convergence. That's when God showed up. And when God showed up, um, Nehemiah's life changed. There was something where he was at that was converging with where God wanted him to be. And as it converged, something exploded within him. Something which caused him in his place of comfort to be so discomforted and disquieted that he needed to do something. And in that place where he needed to do something, things were about to change. Oh, listen, if you're in a place this morning where God has been disturbing you, waking you up in the nights, Speaking things to you, you're watching things, seeing things and it's disturbing you. Let me tell you, I believe that that is God speaking to you. And he's speaking to you in a unique way. You don't have to impose that on other people. You just need to embrace it for yourself and do something for yourself. Do something in that moment for yourself that's going to propel you to where God wants you to be. Even if it means seeing God one place, but also ministering in other places. Listen, the God of convergence is about to show up. There was a time lapse. Let's just talk about time lapses. Time lapses. Do you know what the time lapse was from when the people of Israel went back to, um, came out of exile, went back to start building the temple? 140 years. That's a long time. Let me tell you this. One of the church fathers said this. He said, that the wheels of God move exceedingly slow, but they grind exceedingly small. When God is about to do something, He will remove everything out of the way. Those big obstacles will become small. The times that you think God will converge into that place of time. Listen, this morning, I believe that God, as you hear, He has you watching online this morning, because He's about to converge 140 years You may, you may have lost sight of what it was like. You may have lost sight of the times when people said to you about this revival, that revival. If I were to ask you this morning, the last revival that we saw in the land of Scotland, in the Hebridean revival. I could ask you this morning, there would be some here who knew about it. There would be others who don't know about it. It's because we have forgotten. The Welsh revival, oh yes, we may have heard that. But we don't know anything about it. We don't know the supernatural breaking in of the power of God where there were lambs appearing on walls bleeding and people would flock to see this vision as they flocked to see the vision of this bleeding lamb that appeared on a wall in a church in Swansea. They would fall under the power of conviction and in that they would open their hearts up Many of them became the preachers of the Welsh revival that took it around the world. Not just to the next village, not just to the next pulpit, but they went right to the far extremes of the world. I could tell you, what about others? Even bringing it more up to date, there will be people here that would tell you all about Toronto and the Father's blessing. There will be others say, what's Toronto? What was that? Why? Because we lost sight here 140 years. Two lots of 70 from the time when the temple had been rebuilt. There was another 70 years. Listen, God is the God of 70s. And here you start to see how things fall into these cycles. We are in a 70 year cycle. And listen, don't just go specifically about the beginning of this date or that date. If you look at it, there is a span where it could span over three years in biblical timing. And so here, we don't know the time or the hour the Father has put in his own hand. But there are periods of time. I believe we're in one of those cycles at the moment that God is doing something. You know, the last time, just over 70 years ago, we've celebrated, we've celebrated the end of a war. Now we've said that this generation's war is this virus. You see, there is around 70 years. And I know, you know, for those of you are reckoning it up, you know, it's a broad brushstroke I'm painting this morning. But you see, there are things that happen 70 years After the completion of the temple, and it's at that point in 516 they completed the temple B.C. And in 445, Nehemiah makes his way to Jerusalem. Why? Because he heard something. His concern isn't the temple that lies in ruins, but it's a people who are in great trouble and disgrace. You see the difference You see, as we're coming back together, we need to start looking at how things are going to change. See, we can look at it and say, oh, we've got to build, we've got to build the temple, we've got to build the place of worship, we have to establish those things. Listen, what they did 70 years previously was not what they were going to do now. What they did 70 years was so that worship could rise up to the presence of God. It was so the temple could be built it 's so that the Shekinah glory of God may come in. we can 't keep building for the Shekinah glory. There comes a point when God wants to visit us, and when He visits us, things change. What are the things that change? Now He has a different a different mandate from heaven. what 's that mandate that he gets? It says here, this isn't the temple that lies in ruins, but it 's the people who are in great trouble. And nobody was dreaming. This is social concern, not spiritual concern. But the two cannot become separated, which they should never be. God wants to join both the social issues and the spiritual issues. And what we're seeing today is walls and cities are broken down. And we need to carry a mandate from heaven that sees that there is a people that have inquired, what is the state of the people? Not Jerusalem, not their city, but what is happening to the people? And he says, they're in great trouble. Let me tell you, church, the world, the people of the the cities of our nations are in great trouble. There is convulsing going on. We need again to get a vision to see how God would cause us to become life changers. Where he would place upon us a desire to be the transforming influence, the light in the darkness, the salt in the unsavory things of the world. We have to start rising up in a new way. This isn't, about, this isn't about establishing a spiritual centre. I believe that we have one. We need to move and start to get involved in the social issues of our day. I don't know what that's going to look like, so don't come and ask me, but I know that there is a God who will give every one of us a plan and a purpose. Dual vocation. To be here worshiping God and to be there transforming society. Come on, we need both. We need both this morning. Listen to what Paul says. You are God's field. You are God's building in 1 Corinthians chapter 3: 5 to 10. Listen, you are the field. You are the building. You're the field of God's assignment. You're the building of God's presence. It isn't about a structure. It isn't about this building here. This is just a a space. We are the building that contain the glorious presence of God. God wants you to get hold of the dream for your field. Are you with me this morning? Turn to the person. I was going to say, pat them on the shoulder and say, that's you. But just turn to them and say, that's you. Point to them this morning. I know pointing is rude, but tonight, today, it's acceptable. See, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. We, however, will not boast beyond the proper limits. See, there is a geographical location for your assignment. But we will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us. That was their lives. God has assigned a field to Paul. Who is the fields that God has assigned to you? Get in there and start releasing dreams into people. A field that reaches even to you. So we're not talking about geographical locations. We're talking about people. Nehemiah is a book about people. It's what happens to people. It's what happens in a geographical location, but it's what is happening in the lives of people. He said, listen to what it says. This was the question. I, I questioned him about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile. That was his first concern. And then he said, and also about Jerusalem. You see, we need, We need a heart for both. But you see, we can't have a heart even for an area, a geographical area that's called the beloved black country. We need to first of all have a heart for the people of this region and not the geographical location. You see, when we have a vision that's for people, things begin to change. And so here, See, an allocation or a vision, a dream, it's an allocation, a deposit, a portion of your appointment. See, what has God appointed you to? You need to take hold of that. It's a deposit that God has placed into your hands. No one else can do it. See, you can't do what God has called me to do and the dream that he's put in me. You can only do what God has called you to do and the dream that he's put in you. You can't be someone else. So why would you ever want to be when you can only be yourself? Come on. Hallelujah. God wants you to take hold of that portion of his assignment that he has allocated to you. Just like Nehemiah did. Yes, it meant that he was going to walk through the desert for 23 days. Yes, it was a trek of 2,700 kilometers. But I want you to know this morning, as he says here, you may have a dream, but you didn't do anything about it. Do you know one of the saddest places I believe in the world today are graveyards. Graveyards where people's dreams lie buried with them, never fulfilled. See, you need to take hold of your dream today. Take hold of it. What does God want you to do? Listen to one. I was reading this um, portion in a book. that I was studying this. Listen to what one great, a famous writer said, The worst sin towards our fellow men is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. Let me say that again a bit slower for you. The worst sin towards our fellow men is not hate to them, but, it, but to be indifferent to them. That is the essence of humanity. That was by George Bernard Shaw, and the writing was The Devil's Disciples. What a statement. I believe that we need to be the disciples of Jesus Christ today and no longer are we indifferent. We begin to take hold of God, a God who has his heart for people. It's an appointment for a specific assignment. Nehemiah had chosen Nehemiah had chosen to remain in the place of exile. People had moved back but he stayed where he was for another 70 years. 140 years from the time when they first started to go back. That's a long time. He had chosen to stay behind and yet God had moved him into a strategic place. God had to work for him too and, and put, was putting him into a place of influence. Listen, God has been at work in your life putting you into a place of influence. It's time now to use that place of influence in order to bring about the purpose of God that he wants you to fulfill. And listen, it may be different from your place of vocation because God has another place. And what is the other place? I believe for many of us, we need to begin again to embrace the vision of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to begin to embrace what God has for a local community. And as we do, we start to build together. We'll touch on some of these things of how we build together. And so here, God had put an Esther a generation earlier. He would put a Joseph into Egypt. He would put a Daniel into Babylon. But now he has a Nehemiah in Susa who is about to make a journey. I suppose he probably turned up that day, Nick, dressed in his blazer and his greys looking like he was going to go on a cruise. Yet God had a plan for him to move into this place of his assignment. When God wants to accomplish a work, he always prepares a man and a woman. He puts them in the right place at the right time, aligned to the right people. I want you to get hold of that in your life. You're in the right place at the right time and you're aligned to the right people. You see here, it wasn't just anybody, it was his um, father, it was also his brother Hanani and it was Hanani that gave him, you see God is a relational God. You need to start listening to the voice of God as it comes, even over these next few days. Let me tell you people here watching online, you're going to start to hear God in new ways. You're going to hear God in your dreams. God is going to wake you up. Let me tell you what, I, I was um, woken sometime early this morning, probably between one and two, and as I woke up, I'd been dreaming, and somebody had dropped a blob of, it was like honey chocolate on my slipper. And as I, I looked at it on my slipper, and as I tried to get it off, it turned into dog stuff. The stench was awful. And I, th- I was just saying, Lord, Lord, what is this about? And he says to me this, that you don't need every part cleaned, you only need your feet cleaned. I'm going to put you into places where you think, where you think you couldn't get into because I'm removing things from your feet. Things that are like honey and chocolate to you, but in the end, they carry a stench to it that will never get you in. I'm thinking, God, I just started, I was just lying in bed. I just started repenting of everything that I could think of that would cause my life when I think it smells sweet and tasty, but for God, there's other things. I just started to ask God, God, there's this that needs dealing with, this that needs dealing with. I want to walk. And God says, it's not all of you. You, don't, you know, you're not in as bad a state as you think you are. You just need your feelings. Remember the story with Peter and Jesus? You just, need, you just need some things to be sorted out in your life. Listen, allow God to sort some things out. Listen, God will speak to you. But you see, so often we miss it. When God gives you a dream, you miss it. You just go on. You forget about it. You don't recall it. You don't ask God about it. This is a time when we need to realize that God is speaking. And he wants to do something with your life and my life. I'm nearly done. And so here God wants to accomplish a work. You're in the right place, right time, aligned to the right people. That's what this story is. Start reading Nehemiah. Start reading Nehemiah. Keep reading Nehemiah. We're going to be here for a few weeks, and uh, and as we do, let's just realize this: today is not just another day. Remember Moses? It just seemed like another day. It just seemed like another Sunday we're going to church. But that day he went out to care for the sheep. It was just another day, but it was it was the day he heard the Lord. Call to him, listen, don't always look for the spectacular, don't always look for you know this great manifesting. He was just there looking after sheep, he'd been doing it for 40 years. What did I say? Achievement and accomplishment requires development. God has been developing you, and I want to declare to you this morning. God would say, your development is over. You're at a place of maturity and it's the mature sons of God who know how to be led by the Spirit. You're about to be led by the Spirit in these days. And so here, it was just another day, but God spoke to him out of the bush. Also, it was just an ordinary day when David was tending the flock, but he was anointed as king. Listen, there are appointments and there are anointments for you today. If you don't know what anointment is, that's an Indian way of saying anointing. I tend to prefer it. And so here, it wasn't just another night of failure. Remember the disciples mending their nets and Jesus said to them, you see, a night of failure. I don't know about you, but it could be a night of failure And where you've caught nothing, you've done this, you've tried this, caught nothing, you're just mending the nets, and Jesus comes and he says, in the midst of your greatest failure, I'm going to speak a word to you that's going to change your life forever. And that is that you're going to become fishers of men. What? When we can't even catch fish? And Jesus said, I will make you. See, God is about to make some people here into something that they have dreamed about. Let me tell you as I finish this morning. See, in the world that we're in, don't always think that we're in, you know, some unique place that's never happened. I've been reading the histories of revivals, as you probably realize, in the year 389, this century. Not sorry, this century, in the year 309, this, the last millennium, Patrick of Ireland, a Roman Briton, was captured by a marauding band of Irish pirates and sold as a slave. Listen, it's been going on. And in that place of slavery, God speaks to him. In the midst of all the pagan worship of Ireland. And he turns a nation around. And he became the Irish apostle. He brought eternity into those situations. And he became the one who brought Celtic religion into our nation. You think, God, how can you use all of this? We just now need to start hearing God speak to us in our places. In a time of plague, we're seeing that at this moment, there was a Wycliffe. There was a Wycliffe who was seeing people dying of the Black Plague. I don't know much about it, but if you speak to Richard, he will tell you. it was It was a loathsome death that you went through. And here he was seeing all these people. And as he looked in all of this, he was caught up, with eternity and he saw people who were dying going into a godless eternity and how he needed to change and so he wrote the scriptures in the English language that the peasant and the pauper could understand and then he raised up he raised the academics he raised the people from the oxbridges he raised the people from the farms people from anywhere that he could to be lowlands, those who would go and read the Scriptures so the people could hear. And so he turned a nation around. He was known as the light that dawned before the Reformation in Europe because if we hadn't have heard the Scriptures in our everyday language, we wouldn't have understood you see, God has had purposes. We need to start believing again that even in this room, even people watching, there will be people who rise up again and who start to commit themselves to what God has assigned for them in the allotted field of their lives to be an influence for those around them. And we need to stop stop looking at what the world keeps saying and start looking at what God is saying to us because we need to be those who would bring transformation, transformation. God raising up a people and a church that would truly transform the nations and the nations. Is there an amen here this morning? See, God wants you and me to be in our field. I want you to stand this morning. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Oh, thank you, Lord. If you're in in your home, I want you to stand in at home this morning. You know I want God to so touch you. So you never know what God has in store for you. You never know what he's going to do in the commonplace conversations. Because all it requires is an inquiry. About the situation. For you to get an impression about what you see. So that You can commit yourself to the God who is unchangeable and to a kingdom that's unshakable.